Hello, Spacemakers. Sarah popping in here to say that I have the solution to all of your holiday gift needs. Or maybe if you yourself just need a bold earring for a holiday happy hour Zoom meeting, you can get incredible earrings made by my co-host Josie at her Etsy shop at shop.thej. And during this holiday season, you can use the code FILTHYANIMAL to get 20% off. So make sure that you check that out. She's got everything from earrings to necklaces to barrettes. I know you'll find something that you're going to love or someone that you love will love. Friends, the holidays are upon us and Christmas shopping needs to be finished. And you're probably not finished because neither am I. Well, I've got a great place for you to look up. Check out Enadina Artesanía Mexicana on Facebook and Instagram for all your cool Mexican artisanal needs. They've got purses, they've got Christmas decorations, they've got jewelry, all handcrafted by Mexican artisans and shipped right to your door. Check them out by searching up Enedina, E-N-E-D-I-N-A, Artesanía Mexicana. I'm sure if you misspell it, it'll come up either way. Um, check them out, order online. They even do a live Facebook sale on Monday nights at 5 or 7 p.m., depending. They announce it. You should definitely check it out and shop live. It's a great experience. It really is a rush. Let me tell you. I love it. I'll see you there. Shop small. Good morning, space makers or afternoon or I don't know what time of day it is that you're listening to this, but uh, <laughs> welcome to the Making Spaces podcast. I'm Sarah Heath, one of the co-hosts of a show about making space literally and figuratively for yourself and others. And this is my incredible co-host. Josie, um, the co-host of the same podcast about making spaces both literally and figuratively. <laughs> uh, the Disney, that's our goal. We are always just ourselves. How are you doing this morning? I am doing all right. It is the morning time and um, I'm still in my PJs. <laughs> yeah, neither. So the funny thing is, is I am a... I'm not a morning person. I'm like, I don't like the morning, but I wake up early um, and I'm usually like confused for a lot of hours. So this morning uh, we had a, a time set to chat and I woke up like a half an hour before, which is abnormal for me. And I have to walk my dog and eat food. And so I had to push our time back, but it, it's making me laugh because I literally, if I'm outside of my routine, I don't know what to do with myself. Same. I am not a morning person, but I am a semi-early riser, and I need two hours before interacting with the world, which is funny when you have a partner who oh is my very gosh. Yeah, cuddly how does in the out? morning. Oh my no. God, it's the worst fucking thing. I, <laughs> he just like wants to hold me. I'm like, can you not touch me, please? I haven't had coffee. I'm in bed. I don't want to interact with anybody, you included. Um, I've had to soften a little bit. Not there yet. <laughs> oh my gosh, I love it. Uh, I was talking to someone yesterday and we were talking about this podcast. I think I was talking to Kevin and uh, they said, I like that Josie doesn't let you get away with anything. Like you guys are so different. And then, cause I said something like, oh shoot, I need to get this done. And they said, yeah, you do. <laughs> and I love it. Um, I, a lot of people write in and like send me text messages or messages and say they love like, how like soft and like cuddly I am and how you're like, don't touch me, people. Don't touch me. Amen. Don't. Uh, so we are like rounding the corner of the holiday season. Are you prepared for Christmas um, 2020? I am a Grinch, but humbug to y'all. I've tried, uh, but my partner loves Christmas. So I've been trying to soften. I have a lot of Christmas trauma because my mom is very into decorating for the holidays. And she's not very nice when she does so, you know, because she's stressed or whatever. Right. So I am not excited for the holidays, especially during COVID. Yeah. Mm, I mean, actually, maybe I'm more excited because of COVID because then I can just say, fuck everybody. I don't want to see anybody. Don't talk to me. <laughs> wow. You but I am. Um, you really are a uh, Grinch. Yeah, I am. But Ryan and I do this thing where we buy each other at least 12 presents for the 12 days of Christmas. So we have a present for 12 days. Mm. Nothing extravagant. Do you do, you but, do the you know. real 12 days of Christmas, which are the days after, or do you do it before? Uh, I think 
I thought it was before. Is it after? I don't know really how white people things. What the hell? Uh, the 12 days of Christmas was traditionally between Christmas and Epiphany, which is when the traditionally the okay, and I could be wrong. Wise men show up. I mean, I'm I'm just a pastor. What do I know? <laughs> like, I Wait, does it end like on January 6th or something like that? Yeah, I think so. I see. I know January 6th is Wise Men's Day. We celebrate that. Yes, that is a very Mexican thing to celebrate. I think it's fine to do it before. Damn. I just feel, I feel dumb. (laughs) Don't feel dumb. I I might be wrong. Speaking of being wrong, a couple of episodes ago, my dad called because I had told this story, this incredible story about the mayor of Toronto. Wrong. It was the mayor of Ottawa. And as a Canadian, the fact that I got those two cities confused is highly offensive. So here is my um, retraction. I was incorrect. It was the mayor of Ottawa that was a woman who said, you have to work twice as hard and be twice as smart. Thankfully, it's not that hard. Are the cities close together? Not, I mean, yes-ish, but also Ottawa is like the capital of Canada and Toronto. The whole Canada. The whole Canada. So here's the thing uh, that not a lot of people (laughs) realize about the country of Canada. Um, First of all, my home and native land. Um, second of all, it is a very large country and uh, very spread out. Actually, it's one of the largest countries in the world. And sometimes, and if you know like music and things like this, you'll hear it. Um, people who live in Toronto are accused of being a little bit like people who are from LA or New York, where they think their city is the only city. Torontonians tend to be a little bit... Um, arrogant in the eyes of a lot of other folks um, because they like usually have a little bit more money and they're the ones who can vacation to your area. Like I grew up in a town where our our population tripled in the summer because of Torontonians having summer houses. So kind of like Californians where we drive up the cost of housing in other areas when we move there, that's the story of Torontonians. So the fact that I confused Toronto and Ottawa, um, my dad was the one who told me and my dad is a Torontonian, but um, I think it would really upset. I don't know Ottawa Ottawaians <laughs> that I um, got there very <laughs> confused with Toronto because it's that idea of like we only know about Toronto, you know. Do Canadians can Canadians get upset? Okay, <laughs> just because you've met me who like struggles with <laughs> anger, I don't know how to be angry. Like I'm a therapist one time said to me. What does anger feel like? And I was like, I don't know. It goes to sadness real quick. I don't, I can't sit in anger very long. This year has been a year though, where I've learned 2020 a little bit, how to be angry. It usually lasts like four hours. I can't maintain it, but um, you know. Mm, Anger and I are best friends. Yeah. (laughs) You know, here's, is it me culturally or is it just family structure or trauma I've gone through? So many questions. Um, let's not make this about me. Uh, so excited uh, for us to be able to introduce you guys to this next guest. Um, we should talk a little bit about Dan Davidson, who uh, one of my best friends from grad school. Talk about someone who's gone through trauma. Actually, I wrote a book called What's Your Story? And in the video series, Dan talks about something that he doesn't talk about on the show, but he uh, had a very traumatic first marriage and um just kind of had his life flip upside down and has since like rebuilt and created this incredible space for other people. Um, and was a pastor, an ordained local pastor for a long time in a community that you knew while you were in school. APU. Pasadena. <laughs> I mean, I went to APU, but like the Pasadena area, you know, APU people love Pasadena. Oh, I didn't know. And he, he ended up creating a coffee cart uh, and then a coffee shop. And his story is incredible and inspiring. And um, I think it is so well worth a listen because there's all this like information about like, how do you get to your next thing? The power of relationship, saying yes to the next logical step and something that Josie, you have taught me, which is celebrating your successes along the way. Um, mm-hmm. You got any other thoughts about this conversation? Um, I would listen to it if you are a three like Sarah. Um, <laughs> because <laughs> y'all need to slow down all right next logical step little tiny baby steps um just tiny kidding. baby steps yeah Not it's to- a <laughs> if you're an enneagram person if you've 
looked into the Enneagram at all, if you were a three, or if you're just someone who's like entrepreneurial, it can be really easy to just charge hard and never think you're doing enough. Um, yeah. So this is a helpful conversation, I think. Um, yeah. It's been interesting too, just how all of this, uh, yeah, all of this conversations lately have been with people who are creating spaces, but also for people who are sort of more in this entrepreneurial field. And I'm wondering if that's a 2020 thing, because we've got a couple of artists coming up, um, but even they're an entrepreneurial art kind of folk. Yeah. I mean, 2020 is a year of finally realizing that you should do what you just want to do. I mean, I started my own small business in 2020. It's so great. Due to happenstance. And I love it. It stresses me out, but it's fun. <laughs> Speaking of stressing us out, after you've listened to the conversation, please check out our um, various announcements at the end. We've got a Patreon thing going on. We have got um, different ways that you can engage with us. We are excited about all these possibilities coming up. Um, just talking with some really great people who are going to give content for our Patreon folks as well as we're going to give you some of our own content. So I'm excited for what this next season of our um, show will be like. And so we sit back, enjoy the conversation with Dan and take his advice at the end. He's got some great current advice. You know, because that problem of, you know, taking care of the homeless youth, um, I couldn't shake it. And as I looked around, I met other nonprofits that were providing services for the youth, and it was all great. But the one thing I no noticed was missing was um, job training, right? So the youth either they kind of exit out of the foster system on their own, um, or if they're exiting homelessness, they get a place to still need a job. Um, and I just noticed that a lot of the youth are kind of stuck. And so job creation, job um, development was kind of where we saw our solution. Um, but then again, like you got to start with what you got. So what assets did I have? I had a, a old coffee cart that the previous pastor had purchased, uh, trying to draw in the city college students to the church itself. Um, and that thing was, I think he spent like $40,000 on it. What? And I just kept, yeah, I know. I just kept trying to sell it. I couldn't get rid of it. No one wanted it. It was out of code. The health department wouldn't let us use it. So. Anyway, we, we, we repurposed it and turned it into a, a job training. Um, so we learned everything we needed to in coffee and then started matching local baristas from our neighboring coffee shops to come to the church and train the youth from the youth nonprofit service providers on site. And uh, that's what started uh, Rose City Coffee, which years later became uh, Rosebud Coffee, where I am today. Friends, welcome to the Making Spaces podcast. I am one of the co-hosts, Sarah Heath, and this is my fantastic other co-host, wonderful glassware, Josie Jimenez with the new glasses. Right Josie here. Jimenez. So this is just going to make people want to watch it on YouTube instead of listening to it in their favorite podcast catcher. Yes. You look fantastic. Yeah, she got new glasses. They're really great. Um, and they're also stylish and they are blue light blocking, it looks like. Oh, is that why it does that now? I try to be fancy and get that, but I guess it's not. It's good for your brain. Super good for your brain. Um, friends, this is a podcast about making spaces for yourself and others, both literally and figuratively. And today we have a friend of mine who I will say has been making space for me since I met him. We were we met in grad school where we both were librarians. Um that's right. But we, I forgot about we that. Did, yeah. Um, Dan Davidson and I, not only were we librarians, but we we realized that we went to the same shows musically. And back in the day when you were like a hipster scene kid, that was like how you made friends um, if they listened to the same music as you. So Dan, and then we laugh because yes, we've been listening to the same music, but our lives have also kind of been a little bit parallel. So Dan That's right. um, started a church, uh, actually like restarted a church in many ways yep. in the way that I did uh, in Pasadena called Rose City. And uh, then kind of realized that uh, 
he's just got some incredible giftings around entrepreneurial stuff. So started a coffee shop as one does, um, but not just any coffee shop, a coffee shop that teaches business skills to kids who are um, experiencing homelessness or who have a lower income or don't have um, shared opportunity to do a lot of stuff. So now um, Dan is kind of stepped out of the pastorship of a local church, but is now running a coffee shop and helping other church communities and communities that have like space figure out how can you actually reach the community around you so dan's story is incredible dan davidson the man the myth the legend my first question for you is what is one of your favorite spaces and why got it yeah so that's a really hard question to answer but i'm just gonna go with what first comes straight to my mind uh, my favorite space right now is my backyard yeah that's a so, good answer yeah, and the reason why, uh, we just moved. As Sarah mentioned, you know, I transitioned out of pastoring a neighborhood church, living in a church parsonage for, oh man, uh, seven, eight years, nine years maybe. Uh, so we, we found an, uh, a nice small house in Arcadia, but it has a big backyard. I've got three kids. My youngest is very active. He's a kindergartner. He's five. Um, I wish I could show you what he's trying to do on the trampoline right now. Um, he's not just doing one flip, but he's doing two flips at this stage. Uh, but to have the space, right, a place in our home, in the back where they can play and just be themselves in the midst of all that's happening uh, brings me great joy and right now is my favorite place. I love that. We actually had uh, a, another friend of mine, Matthew Paul Turner, who's a writer, and his favorite space is the same thing. It's a greenway, not his backyard, but for the same reason, sort of a place to actually be outside and to connect with nature, but to watch his kids play and have a space to run wild. Yeah, I have the teeniest, tiniest uh, apartment backyard, but it is a backyard because I have trees and dirt and, you know, grass sprouts up through the dirt sometimes. And I just feel like I have the biggest backyard in the I mean, considering it's an apartment, I feel like I'm rich with yeah, land. Having a, yeah. Uh, having a <laughs> patio space. So I have a patio space that's like the size of many people's backyards, you know? Um, and I have to say it has been during this time, a sanctuary space. In fact, yes. yesterday I was standing on it when I saw the like longest shooting star I've ever seen. And I actually was like, well, it's 2020, so it's probably an asteroid, but it wasn't. Um, so that's good news. We're still here. Um, but it was so beautiful. And I thought, oh, I'm so grateful for this patio space where I can see these things and kind of, you know, I think now of any year, this is the year I'm really learning exactly. how to lean into a gratefulness practice and like, okay, that's right. I love this. This is great. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because uh, my second favorite place is just, you know, we're, we're close to um, Los Angeles National Forest, right? So uh, do some hunting and some hiking back there. But when the fires hit, like I lost that place, right? So you have to kind of, all right, adapt and pivot and say, all right, what's what's available? Um, so I didn't get to go out and to do the hiking and hunt I wanted this year, but um, we've got a it's backyard. It's so weird for same. me to imagine you hunting. Oh, that's so fun. What do you I, hunt? I, I am terrible at hunting. I'll just tell you that, but I love being outside, right? And you and I, I like the love projects. So it gives me like a hike with a project. Like <laughs> I get to be out there and I've got a goal, something I'm trying to do. I fail at it every time. I've never gotten anything, but I'm not usually out here in national, um, um, the national forest looking for deer. And uh, yep, yep. I've seen that many, only, but that only but no makes luck. me laugh because Josie and I are having, we have this ongoing thing between the two of us uh, about the great outdoors. And, um, mm -hmm. I like to just hike and her point is like, no, you should be like hiking with a purpose, like having a yeah, project exactly. while hunting yeah. makes sense to me. Or like you're going to a campsite or you're whatever. Yes. She's like, I don't understand just going on a walk <laughs> in the woods. Yeah, no, I need an end destination, like an abandoned yeah. mine or an abandoned Nazi camp or whatever. You know, I need all of that. <laughs> the bridge to nowhere. Yeah, exactly. Yes, exactly. So this, this gives me a project to do while I'm out there. Plus it's usually early morning. So get the sunrise um, and that's always worth it. I love that. So you started this. I'd love for people to hear as someone who, you know, a lot of people just get a church you, the church was not doing well when you got there, uh, numbers wise, the building as well. 
you flipped the interior space. And can you explain a little bit how you got to this coffee cart? Because it started as a coffee cart. So can you share a little bit about that story is sort of your your beginning and then why that as a church community, why did that matter? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And apologize for the noise. I'm in the cafe today. Um, so people are coming in, but um, yeah, it, it all started when I came to Pasadena to restart this church. Um, actually, they had closed down the society. So no people, but, you know, a building that was starting to age. Um, and so I came in, reopened the church, you know, gathering people again, worship, things of that nature. Um, but the very first neighbors that I encountered were youth that were sleeping in the church parking lot. We were close to a city college. And uh, so the youth could blend in at the city college during the day, but at night they needed a safe place. So they would sleep under our awning um, in the like church patio. And um, that went on for a few months. And I did what, you know, all good pastors do, right? How do I help you? How do I serve? And so provided space and clothing and food and um, but that quickly got out of hand as they invited their other friends. And then before you know it, we had a full on like camp in the church parking lot. And then the yep. neighbors started, started calling the cops. I've 100% all, done that. Uh-huh. Yep. And then it's like all of a sudden, I'm like, what have I done? I'm way over my head. Cause now the people I'm here to minister to, right? The neighbors are all just pissed off. So anyway, I learned my lesson quickly. Uh, we brought that to a close. Um, and I started reaching out, you know, because that problem of, you know, taking care of the homeless youth, um, I couldn't shake it. And as I looked around, I met other nonprofits that were providing services for the youth, and it was all great. But the one thing I no- noticed was missing was um, job training, right? So the youth, either they kind of exit out of the foster system on their own, um, or if they're exiting homelessness, they get a place to still need a job. Um, and I just noticed that a lot of the youth are kind of stuck. And so job creation, job um, development was kind of where we saw our solution. Um, But then again, like you got to start with what you got. So what assets did I have? I had a a old coffee cart that the previous pastor had purchased, uh, trying to draw in the city college students to the church itself. Um, And that thing was, I think he spent like $40,000 on it. What? And I just kept, yeah, I know. I just kept trying to sell it. I couldn't get rid of it. No one wanted it. It was out of code. The health department wouldn't let us use it. So anyway, we, we, we repurposed it and turned it into a, a job training. Um, so we learned everything we needed to in coffee and then started matching local baristas from our neighboring coffee shops to come to the church and train the youth from the youth nonprofit service providers on site. And uh, that's what started uh, Rose City Coffee, which years later became uh, Rosebud Coffee, where I am today. Okay, so the pastor's idea originally, uh, and not all of our listeners are people of faith, but there are some who are, and there's a lot of folks who are in ministry. The pastor before you wanted to get people in the doors. That was the thing, like, we're gonna have this coffee cart that will kind of like lure people into the doors. And that didn't work. Um, And we know it didn't work because... people right exactly um and so great idea in that okay like what's something that people like coffee um i'm new to the coffee world guys i'm like a couple months in it's i'm a whole new me uh but Mm -hmm. the uh the next step was what do i do with this thing and at first it was a a problem you wanted to sell this card oh yeah Uh, yeah i wanted that money back I mean, it wasn't my money, but it was sitting there. I needed money to start a church. So, man, I, oh yeah, I tried selling it to anyone that would take it. No bites. No bites. And so then you end up figuring out what you can do to bring it to code and figuring out how to use it as a vehicle to train these folks. And yeah. you are partnering with, were you already, so did you find the, I guess what I would love to know is like, did you find people that were already working with the students so that they already had these connections and ability. Like, I think a lot of times people hear stories like this and they go, but we don't have the resources. And it's not about that. It's about strategic partnerships. Did you? That's right. Yeah, that's right. So, you know, when I got into this and way over my head, um, I started to find places for the youth to go that introduced me to the nonprofits that were serving them and had like the history and the money and the staff to take care of them. Right. And so that's how I entered into that world and started the, the partnering 
And then I came back, you know, a few months later when I had this, this solution and I said, Hey, you know, we're going to set this up. Can you send those youth back to us after they have housing and education and case management, you know, all of that to take care of them. And they said, yeah, for sure. And so then they also said bonus, we'll pay them to be there so that they have a paid internship, right? So you don't have to have me, I don't have to have the burden of, of um, the costs of paying the youth while they're working and learning coffee. Uh, so they were able to use their workforce development dollars to get paid internships. And then we just did the partnering to get them trained and then back out into the uh, workforce, primarily through Starbucks um, was our main outlet until we started our own coffee shop and then employing the youth ourselves. That is amazing. And so do you have people that have been with it since the start or do they like rotate out into other professional, like kind of? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. So ideally we would want people to rotate out within like a year, um, but I'll be honest, it's really hard <laughs> because you fall in love in a relational way. Like this person, it just really matters to you. Um, but it, it, yeah, it, so you, you get connected um, you feel like they're part of the family. So you don't want them to go, but then at the same time, you know, you've created a job and a position that's limiting them too, right? right? It's an entry position. And so the hardest learning I've had since we've got the shop over is actually helping you transition on from the coffee shop after we've employed them. Cause I know we're starting to limit their, um, you know, opportunities and what growth looks like for them. And it's so hard just because of that relational uh, connection. Have any of them gone on to create their own? Um, I'm just imagining uh, once to get the spark for having a, an entrepreneurial mindset. Like, have you have any of them gone on to create their own sort of thing at all? Well, um, I'm thinking of one of our very first trainees, um, Donata. She went on to be an artist um, and to do art on her own um, and has been successful at that. And that was uh, years ago. Um, and, uh, you know, she um, even had a baby. I mean, just like found her life and um, who she's meant to be. Um, but I'm thinking most recently, um, Diamond, um, when she graduated uh, from the program, employed with us for a while, she really wanted to keep doing the coffee cart, right? So I think it's back here. Yeah. So this like box oh, wow. thing, that's yeah, the yeah. coffee cart. So Diamond, um, she started her own um, catering um, to private events with her coffee cart. Um, and she had this uh, great gig that she did with a school. <laughs> it was the weekend in March when they shut everything down. So poor, oh, poor no. Diamond. Yeah, she had just gotten it started. She had a great gig and then COVID hit. Now we're all on pause. Mm -hmm. How has COVID affected the program now? Oh yeah, dramatically. You know, I think that's been the hardest part for us is we haven't had a youth train with us since COVID. Um, we have one of our youth graduates that's an employee, right? So she's with Rosebud, so I get to, you know, keep her. Um, but when it comes to training for the youth, um, nothing's happened. I I've gone back to the youth service providers, you know, many times saying, are you guys ready? Are you ready? And they're all saying, no, not yet. So we're like everyone else, even when it comes to our training program, kind of just waiting. Um, and then we're just using contacts um, that, you know, where, where are people starting to develop op mentoring and youth opportunities online? And so we're starting to use our networking huh. to shift youth there. Um, but that's, it's a work in progress since we can't have anyone physically here yet. Um, well, yeah. if you ever, now that I'm clearly a coffee person, um, if you ever have a online how the heck do you make your own cold brew um, session? Please let me know. I will pay the monies to not pay the monies for the amount of money it costs me to have cold brew. I have no idea. Coffee to me is magic. I have no idea how it's made, how it shows up, what grinding or any of that. Did you have any yeah. of those skills? Like I remember well, you, it's, like yeah, you're, it's still you're a more of a beer guy. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's still a mystery. I don't know. But I've always been surrounded by great, amazing artisans that do know um, craftsmen and that have an understanding. Oh, hey, speaking of beer, see that flyer coming <gasps> oh, yeah. soon? I got yeah. a brewery coming. Hey. A brewery coming into the space because the next thing we want to talk about, because Josie, you're going to be so amped with what they've been using this space for. So you had the church, we had the coffee cart, had the church. The church kind of started to grow, got a lot of, because you're near a seminary, that kind of stuff kind of started partnering with that. Yep. 
but this coffee shop thing, you're passing them on to Starbucks, you realize it's time for us to have our own coffee shop. And then the space you found isn't just the coffee. Can you share a little bit about what the, how that sort of become a community space of its own? That's like almost, a, I would say it's a church in the real sense of a, like a, a gathered body. Can you talk a little bit yeah, about what Rosebud is? Absolutely. Yeah. That's how I feel about it too. A uh, quick story on that. I think I was looking for a space in Pasadena, right? It's pretty expensive uh, for about uh, maybe nine, uh, 10 months. I couldn't find anything. Um, nothing that was going to like work and fit our vision of what we wanted a space to be. Um, and along the way I had taken my coffee cart to a few different things and got myself in trouble with the health department as it's actually very easy for that to happen, by the way. Okay, so I don't want it to sound like I'm a rebel. No, I was just doing some stuff and the uh, health department finds out I get on their, their, their bad list. But in the midst of me searching, one day I get a call. Um, this is from one of the health department inspectors. She had gone out to do her rounds at different like cafes and restaurants and places. And she calls me out of the blue and says, hey Dan, I think I found a space for you guys. You became friends with your person <laughs> that kept shutting you down. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, wait, who is this? And what are you telling me? Um, and she's like, yeah, there's this really cool um, space. And it's literally five minutes from your church. Because um, she had been to the church a few times too. Uh, those shut you down. <laughs> Freaking <laughs> all the rules, Dan. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, she's like, hey, come take a look at this place. And it was a, uh, a large space, right? So 3,000 square feet, really big for a cafe, but... Uh, there was a business doing uh, birthday parties for kids, kids karaoke, um, and they wanted out. So I came in, uh, we made a deal, and that's how I found the space. But having a large space, we immediately turned it into an event space. So coffee during the day and then um, events at night. And being able to like host um, events for other nonprofits and for churches and for youth, I mean, that's really been, I think, the gift we've given back to the community just having a full-on community hub um, that uh, so many people have used. And it, that has been, I think, the most encouraging. Um, but also other churches, you know, partnering. I mean, everyone's just kind of like, hey, can we use this? Can we get involved? And I'm like, yeah. I mean, I'm still funded by other churches today. Right, because you guys have um, the availability to have, you have like a little space that's like for um, makers, right? So there's like cool t-shirts and all local stuff i mean literally this is like dan and sarah in seminary's dream there's a music yeah, right. place like people can play music there which both of us were such audiophile nerds um there is like a there an area for people to work every time i've been there there's like everyone's plugged into their computer oh yeah and yeah. going and there's they can get food there they can get coffee there and it's and most of the people are the employees still like if I, if the barista that's serving me, are they most likely someone who's in the system or are they, do you have a, like a mix? It's, it's half and half. Yeah. Okay. It's half and half because we, we've got to maintain like a nice core that's consistent, right. To got keep it. the business healthy. Like a mentoring. And then exactly. Yeah. And it's like, you know, multi rings, right. So that sensor ring is, is, um, uh, but all people with the same heart and compassion. Uh, so we get to really be a family in that way. Yeah, I think our last event, you can see some of our art was for a Black History Month, um, and it was for an artist um, to, to get his art out there. Um, that was a really powerful night back at the end of February. Um, but yeah, because of the COVID stuff, we've had a transition pivot, and so uh, we've upped the game on um, small businesses, right? So we've got a guy making chocolate, um, Harris is using our space, um, even our own uh, associate cafe manager Jackie's making his own syrups um okay quick aside I totally know Jackie <laughs> yes okay because uh he, his wife and well we I went to APU right down the street so I know a yes. lot about this whole Rose City Rosebud situation <laughs> oh my god coincidentally um and I totally I went to uh or I had classes with his wife and yeah, you know cat. art classes so just a little. Did she tell you she's got some art up on the walls here still? No, she didn't tell me. Yes. Oh my gosh, how fun! Yeah. Yeah, she's got my a wall world. over there with all her, her beautiful, beautiful art. Okay. Yeah. So Jackie's doing his syrups out of here now. Heck yeah! Coyote it's incredible. Syrups. Look it up, everybody. Coyote, yeah, coyote syrups. 
<laughs> it's incredible because I think it started with this thing that felt like a noose around your neck in some ways. Like I got to, I got to figure out what to do with this thing. And then you said something that I don't want us to just run by. Um, as we talk about making space for people is to say, you said, what are the assets that I already have? So often um, I'm right now I'm consulting with two uh, churches to sort of chat with them about the space that they have. And they're like, oh, I need yeah. this thing. And I need this thing. And I'm like, no, 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 let's talk about what you already have. Um, right. And how can you utilize that in a way that reaches the community that d- kind of meets the needs that you're trying to meet um, creatively and holistically. And then all these nuggets start popping up, right? Like someone's like, oh, I'm an artist and I don't have anywhere to display my work or whatever it might be. But the difference is, is it organically grows out. I think so often people come into like, I can't tell you the number of pastors who are like, I just want a coffee shop. And you're like, it, it wasn't that you went into the neighborhood and thought we should put a church coffee shop. That's a bait and switch where people come into yeah. the coffee shop. And then you like, and now Jesus, I mean, <laughs> that's yeah. not what happened? That's not the answer. Yeah. And I think too, um, you can even ask that question of yourself, right? It's not Mm -hmm. even just the assets around you or what you have, let's say, um, tangibly access to, but just who you are. Um, I mean, I know for myself with the transition out of the church, I had asked myself that question of like, what asset do I bring? You know, and the entrepreneurial gift was the one that came to the surface. And so, I've just poured myself into that and we've launched um, a training program for other churches. We've, I've started a a little tech company um, and um, now we're looking at more small business incubation out of Rosebud. But that came, all of that in these last, let's say six, you know, eight months have all come through me just asking myself, okay, uh, what asset do I have in me that I can share and bring to the table? Um, and it's just been amazing to watch the connections and those networkings that are making some new things possible. I, I think so often we take on the mantle of this is who I'm supposed to be. So as a pastor, this is what a pastor looks like. I need to be a pastor because that's what, a pa- you know, and, you know, in some ways we weren't necessarily trained that way, but a lot of people oh, yeah. in, in school are trained that way to like, once you do the thing, you just keep doing the thing. And, and I think people get really burnt out or like uh, lose lose their muse because they're continuing to do the thing the same way they've always done it. I mean, I know pastors who are in my denomination who are like 20 years older than me, or even like 10 years older than me, that the entire world, I mean, our world has changed and their world is even more. And they just keep doing the same thing. And um, I think we're, we're missing this moment. I would call it, um, not to use super God language, but the Holy spirit where the like, or I like to call it the divine invitation. Like what is the divine invitation inviting me to? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And how can I step into that? So I love hearing that you, <laughs> you did that and you met some uh, opposition with the health inspector or <laughs> well, and even just speaking of what you're to the, the reality of how much it's changing for churches. I met, I met opposition in my own denomination, right? It, you know, th- their focus, right? You're saying it's like, this is the way you do it. So now in a situation like now, they double down, mm. right? Then they put all their chips on that, right? And so then people like me that don't fit in there, um, the story comes to an end, right? So now I got to go and all right, I'm a, I got to be a missionary now, right? I got to not have that typical role and that typical title, but still do the calling I have. And so I think you were recognizing and seeing like those institutions are that are struggling are just starting to double down and are, they're missing that divine in- intervention. They're missing the spirit moving and they're missing actually out on so many um, amazing people. Like, I know I'm not alone with these gifts, right? And the innovators that are around us, um, but the churches aren't looking to them. Uh, so if there's anything I could, you know, hopefully inspire people to do is like, if you're an innovator in a church, don't give up on your church, but man, spend some time with your pastor. Um, hopefully they can, you know, rub shoulders and learn from one another to see, you know, what's new and what's possible. And if not, then recognize too, when a door closes. Yeah. Cause the spirit's much bigger than the current situation in churches right now. Oh, much for bigger. sure. For yeah. sure. I mean, I go ahead. Sorry, Joe's. 
I was just going to say, it's interesting how you seem to thrive off of taking just the next logical step. And maybe that is this divine intervention, right? But it's really just like, I have a coffee cart. I have to do something with it. I have, because I can't sell it. And it's just like yeah. the step after step of logicalness, which I think is what sometimes we miss out on as entrepreneurs and as creatives is trying to dream too big and trying to get to the end result before just taking oh, the next yeah. logical That's step. Right. The coffee yeah, shop, was it, was it, was the coffee shop a dream in the beginning or was it really just the next thing, the next thing? Wow. Hey, that's a great question. <laughs> We're full of them. Yeah. You know, I think We're you guys really, different yeah, you, <laughs> I think you really touched on this something though. Um, the logical step with it created that became the spark for that dream. Mm. Mm. Yes, because once I saw that that's the next logical step, I began to dream about what that reality would look like. But I did not have that reality in mind before I decided to take the next logical step. Another example, right? Small business incubation out of Rosebud, right? That's a dream for me right now. But I only saw that after we took the next logical step, which was, hey, Harris, use our space while it's sitting here and get your chocolate business going. And then Jackie got excited, started doing coyote syrups. And then it's like all of a sudden, like, wow, I can see where this could go. And that began to create the next dream for uh, the, the nonprofit Coffee with a Cause. Um, so I think that's a really good insight. I hadn't thought about that at all. Uh, but yeah, that next logical step for my experience is what leads to some of these dreams. Um, and you get to see them after you've taken that next step. And then logical step isn't really hard. You just got to do it. But it is a grind to do it over the long haul. And that there is no secret sauce for. There is no, no. magical. <laughs> it is a grind and will always yep. be a grind one step after another. Yep. You have to show up. And um, I think, again, the thing that I've seen so many um mostly the larger structures do is they have, okay, I need you. We're going to fund you, but you've got to tell us like what the big goal is um, instead of like, how can we, what are the incremental things that we can actually um, become more uh, flexible, more fluid, more capable of reacting to what's happening around us. Um, and people dreaming big is great. It's so great. But what would it look like to, um, be okay and, and celebrate the smaller like moments. Like I think about the people that were with you in the very beginning, the students, like their lives are completely changed. And if you had just gone for the coffee shop, you would have spent all this time building a coffee shop and kind of left the people that you were building the coffee shop for behind. Um, yeah, that's right. And I think that's a, it's a constant temptation in the entrepreneurial world pastor world whatever to like get so lost in that dream and mm. it not becoming a reality that you begin to um get you know depressed or whatever i think for me that a way i've been able to kind of sustain the grind is what you were saying just to take minutes to pause and be thankful for the team i have mm. because the shop is still here not by me but by Jackie and the others and Kim and like that's why we're still here right now I'm always thinking about hey what's next how do we get to the next place but if I'm not taking moments to just pause and be thankful for that and mindful of that and just like what do you guys need or you know how do you make this uh sustainable for you um that becomes that temptation that I think we can fall and trip over I mean that's the <sighs> I go back to it again and again, but um, when I started even just this podcast about making spaces, I was doing it alone because I had this dream of like, I know so many people that make space. Like I know designers who can help people think through spaces. I myself, I have projects all the time that I want to share all this sort of stuff. And the reality of it was I didn't want to do it alone, but I didn't know why necessarily. And part of it, I think, is that Josie has taught me... Um, how to like, it's true, Joe's, you teach me a lot of things, um, but how to like pause and go, oh no, like this is growing organically. Cause my, my first story was I started a podcast and had 9,000 listeners in two weeks. Right. And so to get to one that like is growing slower and it's been 
the silliest thing that I feel like at this age, I can't believe I'm learning this lesson, but that like, just enjoy the little things like in the pause, the excitement that like people have joined our Patreon and they're supporting us at giving us their hard earned money during this time. Like that's a success. It doesn't have to like, and Josie literally like paused me one day and was like, what are you hoping this will do? And I was like, I don't know. Like, I don't know why I'm so upset about like, she's like, we're doing it at the capacity we can do it. We both have full-time jobs. Like you're, we're just, and it's going great. Do you love doing it? Yes. I love doing it. And that's, I think sometimes the yes, dream big, but also celebrate the tiny wins. I think we don't do that enough. Um, and those can inspire us and inspire the people around us. Yeah. And maybe I think my mentality of like enjoying what I'm doing now and loving what I'm doing now is probably because growing up, my biggest dream was to graduate from college with my bachelor's. <laughs> you <laughs> did. Once I, reached, once I reached that, I was like, oh, cool. Uh, now that that was my dream. Um, I guess I'm just going to enjoy the ride now because I have no idea what to do next. That's awesome. And I mean, I enjoyed I took the time. I got C's in college because I wanted to enjoy college as opposed to just <laughs> graduate with honors or whatever. We had the incredible uh, Ariel Astoria on and uh, she gave me language for people who spend more time in college. She said, I took a victory lap. Yes. <laughs> She's like, I took a victory lap for a year. And I was like, I have never, that's such a good way of thinking about it. But I think we get so caught up in thinking that we have to, uh, and I understand that it's also like a structural, like Mm -hmm. I, myself, um, I'm still in a system that is so focused on flipping itself. Um, not understanding that it, it, it's going to have to take like micro movements. And if we don't celebrate and support those micro movements, the people involved Mm -hmm. get burnt out. You can't have one person in charge of every, I mean, there's all these lessons. And I think your story is such a great example of a story of like, okay, now what's next? And having to move outside of a structure that was painful and hard and scary, but freeing as well. And so I think if people are listening to this and going, I feel like there's this thing that I am uniquely poised to create, but the structure that I'm in won't allow that is to think, okay, well, how can you create it on a smaller level? How can you, you know? Yeah. And I, so, you know, just kind of keeping things in the present, making that next step. And then I would also add, uh, be, be open to surprises, mm. right? Because there's also going to be things that just pop in and having the ability or maybe even the capacity to recognize that that is a game changer that just showed up and you didn't even know and you didn't plan for it. So I just, you know, just kind of like saying on the logical stuff, yes, for sure. But along the way, you're just going to get surprised. I thought, thinking back to um, back in March, right before COVID the week, um, that the pastor started getting the notices that church services weren't going to happen in person. Um, I was hosting in my church, uh, a meeting of about 30 pastors with um, this other pastor, Mark DeMoss, who had just written a book called The Coming Revolution of Church Economics. And so he just wrote a book saying, hey, churches, wake up, you know, ties and offerings won't be enough. You need a couple other economic engines, a couple, you know, streams of income nonprofits and small businesses and so we had 30 pastors that week um talking and and meeting and um that was all through some random connections that made that possible and then COVID hits and then I transition out and so I call up Mark I said hey Mark what you doing we met randomly um and so him and I started working and that's what developed this this new training we started um this past fall but had I not kind of been aware uh, and just kind of available and open to this person showing up and changing, you know, my trajectory, I think I would have missed out on something really important. Well, and my next question for actually both of you <laughs> is Whoa. how do you, how do you not get, so for me, I, I want to do everything. Everything inspires me. Um, and so how, how did you feel like you had to say no to some things and sort of know like, okay, having this guy do the economics thing here, you didn't necessarily know that was going to lead to an incredible other business that you're launching, but 
Um, I'm kind of wondering, like, how do you figure out, how do you streamline that down? I know like Josie has several businesses that she's running. And when you're entrepreneurial, I think the, the opposite can be true. You have too many muses. Do do, Do either of you have a practice or a way of saying, okay, this is the surprise. Is this surprise a distractor? Or is this mm, that's good. surprise and inspiration? Mm-hmm. Hmm. I, that's a great uh, question. Yeah, I pretty much just rely on divine intervention. Um, <laughs> 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 like uh, I ran a, like a magazine zine for two years and eventually during COVID it kind of stagnated and then it was the next, the next logical step was to just take a break and reevaluate and then podcasting came around and I was like that sounds easy it's not but I thought it did (laughs) and here we are um yeah I don't know I guess I just I'm also another person that has to I have to do everything myself I don't I learned graphic design because I needed that and I didn't want to pay somebody I uh, learned video editing because the church needed I made you (laughs) (laughs) um you know I just as Nike says, I just kind of do it. And the spirit leads as the spirit leads and says, yes, you should, or no, you shouldn't. Um, not very dramatically, but just kind of like, I don't want to, you know, what do you, what do you think, Dan? Like, how did you, because lots of opportunities come up when you're someone like you are, which is just one of the gifts I love because we share it is connecting people. Like I just gave your phone number to three people yesterday. Um, but don't worry, awesome. they're people you want to talk to. Uh, <laughs> not random people. I'm like, you need help? Here's a gal. Okay. No, it was uh, people who are working in this entrepreneurial ministry setting. And I was like, ah, there's yeah. this guy. So a bunch of Canadians are going to call you, but I love it. you're a networker. How do yeah. you, so how do you I figure out? I, yeah. yeah. I think what, what um, Josephine was saying about um, the spirit movement, I think I would add to that, it also comes down to um, the affirmation, or you could say confirmation from others along the way, mm-hmm. right? So it's the, it is the individual, you know, what you're receiving, but it's also how is that being received and sent back to you by others? And so I think that's how I often gauge um, the next project is relationally, do I have the capacity to work with this team, with this group of people? And how can I do that in a way without burning myself out or without burning my family out, right? So I think it's paying attention, like high emotional IQ internally, but also with the people you're around. And uh, that kind of, you know, keeping the antennas and the feelers out for that and constantly getting that feedback helps me know when to adjust and how to adjust and how much I can take on or not take on. For example, when I was transitioning out of the church role, I also knew I'd been running the city committee for, I don't know, about seven years on partnering churches in homelessness with the city. And I just knew that my capacity to keep leading that outside of my church role and all of that was just too much. And so I knew I had to hand that off at that time. Um, and we had an awesome, the church transition was an awesome, but that transition was amazing. And so I got to even like handpick the person and um, she said yes. And it was just, you know, everything I, I could hope for in that kind of a transition. Um, but again, I think it was recognizing um, it was time amongst the community to make these changes as well. You um, hinted at it and I'd love, I know our time is getting shorter, but I would love you said the church transition wasn't awesome. And that was a, that was an obstacle. That was a pain that was hard. Um, I would love to hear navigating that. What were the places of, um, support and joy that you found to be able to move through that? Because I think there are a lot of professions that it's hard to leave. I think ours is one that, um, so many people are afraid to leave because there's so many implications with it. Um, and we've oh, had a bunch of people who have ha- gone through this, um, realizing that, okay, the call was for a certain amount of time. I'm no longer feeling called to this sort of ministry. How do I, what are, what were the places and spaces that you found joy or found like a sense of like, okay, I can go through this. Yeah, I, I'm pausing. Cause that's a, that's a good deep question. Um, because even my pastoral mentors, like those relationships started changing in the transition too, right? So my go-to places of safety and conversation that I could feel were changing. 
So where did I find that joy and that kind of um, support? Um, I think when it's that kind of major, like you're talking career shift, right? You're talking like one community to another. Um, family, uh, my, my family has a, a farm in Central California. Uh, so we were up there a lot <laughs> in the transition. Um, so talk about space, right? They got an almond farm and they've got, you know, acres and places for the kids to be, for me to be. So I think being close to like family, just letting my family just take care of me, love on me. I, uh, my wife, of course, um, our relationship, I think uh, really, you know, just grew through this, but her championing the gifts that she sees in me, giving me the space to even say like, yeah, it takes more risks. Even though I've taken a lot already and put her through a lot, but her willingness to say, keep going. Um, I believe in you. Um, I know that that was definitely a game changer. Um, and then I would say after that, it was, um, so family, my, my wife, and then um, I would say my relationships in the community abroad, as they kept coming and saying, hey, Dan, we, we still value you, what you bring. We want to work together. Uh, so like I got picked up to run the homeless count for the city of Pasadena again, um, you know, all sorts of things like that. But I think those people just started coming back in or Edward saying, hey, let's start a tech company. I believe in you. I see those gifts, right? So others coming alongside and saying, hey, let's, let's do this. Um, I think that brought me a lot of joy. Thank you. Because I think that's, there's a lot of fear for people if I step outside of what I've always known. Not everyone is like Josie. She's not afraid to step out of what she's always known, but that because that's from trauma. Like she had, she's learned that uh, through some difficult situations. And I think um, for those folks who like security has become, especially now with COVID, people are like, I just need to stay in a job because I'm so afraid to like have people around them that are not dependent on their participation in what they're working on. Um, cause when you start having the conversations of, I think I'm going to leave something that other people have invested in, that's really, really hard. And so I appreciate the way you've navigated this with grace and, um, and I hope it inspires other people to think about doing the same. So the last question we ask, cause I could talk to you for, and will talk to you for hours, but the last question that we like to ask is, um, what is one tangible thing that someone can do to make space for themselves or others? And that can be physical space or emotional or mental, however you want to, however you want to take that. Yeah, uh, enjoy your holiday traditions. I love it. Yeah, press into those this this um, season. So relevant. Wow. Yeah, they're they're meaningful, and this is a moment that they're a gift to you. So if if you need that space, just whatever your favorite holiday tradition, just press into that. Just let Hi. it be, let it be present to you, and bring you into that that space of presence. So, what is your favorite holiday? one of your favorite holiday traditions, Dan? Yeah, so I, I'm terrible at singing. I can't sing with anything, but I love Christmas caroling. Um, yeah, <laughs> so just, um, I grew up with my family doing a lot of folk sings. Um, and so that's just really deep in me. Um, so mine is getting the family together and friends together to just sing some Christmas carols. I, I love, love, I love that. so sick. As somebody who uh, grew up having to I sang as a child because a really good singer. My parents made me. Um, <laughs> I love bad Christmas singing better than good Christmas singing. It's more fun, you know. Good Christmas singing is boring. <laughs> That's Ugh. right. I love that. Thank you, Josie, for sharing that. Thank you so much for everyone who is listening. Thank you, Dan, for being part of yeah. our Making Spaces. We, I'm sure we'll check in with you again as we move forward. There are lots of ways you can stay connected with the show, but how can folks stay connected with you and the work that you are doing, Dan? Oh, man, that's a good question because I am not on social media. So um, Bless maybe you. Old, old, <laughs> I know, old school uh, email, you can uh, email me at uh, dan at rosecitycoffee.org or check out rosebudcoffee.com. Um, I think those are two quick ways to find me. Um, I'm check somewhere out Rosebud on Instagram. Coffee. I'm so, you are. Rosebudcoffee.com. Perfect. I'm somewhere um, on Instagram. You are actually. Um, friends, I want to say a huge thank you again for listening to us. Uh, where can people find us? And then Josie, tell people a little bit about our exciting Patreon. We might be able to get some coffee involved in this, but go ahead. Tell people about the Patreon. 
All right, so we're uh, on Patreon. You're welcome, everybody. Now you can give us money. Uh, you can find us on patreon.com slash making spaces podcast. Uh, and we're n- it's not for nothing either. For $5 a month, you get a quarterly art print, probably made by me or, or designed by me, whatever, you know. Might get one of mine. You never know. I've got a bunch. Yeah, yeah, something. Um, and for what is it, like 20 bucks, you get a quarterly maker's merch box. We're talking tools, we're talking stickers, t shirts. I don't know, whatever I come up with. We're also um, in the process of getting some um, Patreon-only content, including meditations by me. Uh, some of our former guests are going to be offering just some guided ways to think through, ways to be creative. If you are a leader or you just need a community to connect with, you can also find us on Instagram at Making Spaces Podcast. Uh, you can email us, makingspacespodcast at gmail.com if you want to talk shit. That's cool, too. Uh, you can find us... Well, you can find Sarah at Rev Sarah Heath. You can find me at Josie Takes the World. There's a lot of things. You can find Taking us all over. Podcast.com. I forgot. That's Taking new space. too. New website. And that has all the information that Josie just gave us. But um, we uh, look forward to seeing you next week where we'll be saving a space for you. Bye. Bye. <laughs>